0: It's been a good day today. I enjoyed having my family here this week and certainly enjoyed to have them in the services this morning and singing and providing some special music. And uh, they uh, were on their way over to my sister's house. I checked with them just before church. They were about an hour away, so uh, getting there very quickly. And uh, I appreciate so many of you that graciously uh, greeted them this morning. And I'm not so appreciative of the fact that a lot of you Uh, We're telling my sister all the things that I was telling y'all in church about her. (laughs) And uh, I've heard that she's trying to put together a book now to send to all the members of our church on me. (laughs) So, (laughs) but uh, it was certainly a joy to have her here. And then Alyssa's going to be home, I think, uh, this Thursday or Friday. She's coming in for her birthday. And uh, her birthday's actually Tomorrow. And uh, very excited about having her come in uh, for a few days with us. We'll be celebrating her birthday, and we're looking forward to that. Let's take our Bibles, First uh, Peter chapter number five, and um, let's begin in verse number five. <clears throat> Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder; yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed <clears throat> with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Father, we come to you and pray uh, tonight that you would bless the preaching time. And Lord, we've had a sweet time of singing tonight. And Lord, it's been a great day today. Uh, We've enjoyed preaching and singing this morning. And pray that you'll bless tonight in the service. And Lord, speak to hearts. I pray that you would uh, help it to be a blessing to us. And then, Father, that we would be busy this week accomplishing your work we ask for your holy spirit to enable us and empower us and father that we would live lives that are pleasing to you in christ honoring so lord we ask that you would bless the time that we spend here together that will bring honor and glory to your name in jesus name amen i want us to look at several things tonight very quickly out of this passage we're going to be very brief this evening uh but i do want to bring a couple of points out and uh, the uh last chapter here of this uh First letter, the first letter that Peter wrote, uh, is dealing with uh, those that are elders in the church, and specifically uh, leadership or pastors in the church, or assistant pastors, uh, lay leaders, things like that, that would be in the church that would be uh, leading some things. But also uh, those who, by reason of years, uh, are mature Christians, if you will, uh, those that have grown in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he begins the chapter, he starts off with the elders which are among you, I exhort. And so the instructions that he's giving here are primarily uh, to exhort uh, those that are in leadership position. But one of the things that we get to as we get to verse number 5, he says, Likewise, younger, submit yourselves under the elder. And here we're obviously speaking of age and those that are mature Christians versus those that are younger Christians and not specifically of a pastoral role. But then he goes on to say, and and, and unless we get the wrong idea here, he says, yea, and all of you be subject, the next three words say, one to another. And boy, this is something that I would like to just briefly go on because it's not going to be the thrust of our message tonight, but I want to hit on it because I think it's something that we can do as a church uh, that it will be a blessing and a help to each other if we will get this idea or the concept down of submitting ourselves one to another. In other words, if my brother has a need, I'm going to do something I can to be a help to him. If it's within my power or my means to do it, it doesn't matter what position I hold in the church. Uh, the Bible is quite clear that God is not a respecter of persons. And there's not one of us in this place that's any more important than another. Uh, all of us are to be submitting one to another in Christian love and in Christian charity. And if we can ever get to the place where we can... Uh, It doesn't matter who it is in our church, we're willing to be a blessing to them and to be an encouragement to them and to help undergird them and edify them and help them in their Christian walk. And by the way, if we'll do that one for another, it'll be amazing how many people will come to you and help you and encourage you along the way in growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's what God's plan is throughout Scripture to the early church. As we get to uh, verse number 5, he talks about this, and then he speaks and changes, this, or, I guess, uh, goes into the idea of humility. And again, trying to make sure that not one of us thinks higher of ourselves than another. Uh, we all are in the same boat, amen? Uh, we all were sinners that needed to be saved. It uh, doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or a pastor or a song leader or a, song, a PA man. Or tonight we got a new cameraman back there, Brother Richie. Doesn't matter what position you have in the church, uh, we're to have a spirit of humility. And boy, that's easy to think about and to talk about, but so hard to practice, isn't it? Uh, I heard a song, or I heard a, a person mention a song that was written years ago. I don't know the song, perhaps some of you all would. But how it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am or something like that. you all remember which one I'm talking about? When you're perfect in every way. That's what it was. Okay. And, uh, you know, we we talk about humility. But I wonder how often we truly have a spirit of humility. Uh, We tend to think a lot higher of ourselves than others. Uh, Whether we want to or not, so often we compare ourselves by ourselves. Uh, we look at other people, and we compare our Christian life with their Christian life, and we try to justify how we live because, well, I'm not as bad as that person. And yet Christ Christ very clearly in Scripture teaches against that. The idea that we're to have a spirit of humility. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 5 that we're to be clothed with humility, to be covered with it. Uh, For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And then this is the key to this in verse number 6, that he might exalt thee in due time. And it's not up to us to choose what position. In fact, I heard a person say it this way one time, the servant never has the right to tell the master where or when he wants to serve. That's for the master to decide, isn't it? And so who are we? Why do we have the arrogance? Why do we have the audacity of being presumptuous with God? and saying, God, I think I need to be doing this, or I think I need to be doing that, why not come to him and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? And have a spirit of humility. Now, all that being said, he says in verse 7, casting all your care upon him, and, of course, the word care here is is dealing with the worrisome care that we would have, uh, the perhaps, uh, um, uh, I hate to use the word anxiety, but the things that would perhaps burden us or... Uh, Be of concern to us Uh, That we are to take that And he uses the word casting Meaning we're just supposed to unload it We're to give it to God And once we give it to him Can I tell you something that will help you Don't go and pick it back up Okay, God has it He's in control of it He knows what to do Casting all your care upon him For he careth for you But I want us to look primarily tonight In verse number 8 And we're going to take a look At another passage of scripture Look at a few things And then be done tonight The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There's so much in this verse that I think are very important for us to realize and understand. First of all, Peter is saying here at the very onset, be sober. Uh, And I have a hard time dealing with this this, uh, paradox, if you will, of Scripture. Because the Bible also talks about a merry heart doing good like a medicine. And the Bible talks about laughter is good for us and things like this. And certainly God is not intending for us never to have the enjoyment of this sense of humor that he, he created us with. And the idea that there can be times and moments of levity and lightness. And uh, I don't know about you all, but there's times I get around people and God's people and brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're talking and fellowshipping, usually over a lot of food that's not good for us. And uh, we'll talk about some things, and we'll laugh, and we'll cut up, and uh, we'll say some things, and just sometimes we'll get laughing so hard. Uh, the, today at lunch, I had to, uh, Chaz was over at the house, and my mother and sister were there. And I told him, I said, after a little while of being around these ladies in the household, I'm not sure you're really going to want to be a part of this family. And uh, he, he kind of chuckled at that. But uh, we had a great time. My mom and my sister were laughing so hard that they started speaking women language. And uh, you all know what that is. They get really high-pitched laughing, and they try to talk while they're high-pitched laughing. And nothing really comes out but gibberish, but they understand it. Men, men don't have the, the, the gift of that. God never gave us the gift to understand that, but they understand that. And they sit there, and they'll carry on a whole conversation, red in the face, laughing as hard as they can, And we got tickled at that today at lunch. And yet, we get to this portion of Scripture, and Peter says, be sober. And he's getting ready to tell us a very sobering thought. A thought that causes us to think, well, how do we balance this this idea of having joy in the Christian life and having lightness in the Christian life, and the fact that God intends for us to enjoy life, and yet to be constantly on guard and have a mind that is of a serious bent when it comes to this thing of the devil, and uh, the the certainty of the of it is this: that even as we're going through life, no matter what uh, what we're dealing with, if we're going through some times of Uh, joy and just laughing and cutting up with people. There needs to constantly be a sense in our hearts that the devil is always out there. He's always looking for us. And then he says, be vigilant. Be vigilant. Uh, I'm concerned very much today that a lot of Christians uh, walk around with blinders on and they're self-imposed binders. In fact, the truth is if we would uh, read and, and take heed to the Word of God more than we do, the blinders would come off. But we, we seem to walk through a world today, and a lot of Christians put blinders on. They don't want to see uh, certain things in Scripture. They don't want to see certain things that are happening in their life that need to be adjusted or need to be changed or need to come in line with God's rule and God's principle of Scripture. And uh, so we've got to be vigilant. And what that means is we need to be awake. We need to be alert. Uh, Don't be when somebody said years ago be alert because this world needs more alerts and I don't understand what alert is but uh, but we ought to wake up we really ought to wake up and there are a lot of Christians that go through life today and I fear if we're not careful and by way of warning tonight it can get to the place where we will become oblivious to some things. And usually, I found in my life at least that when I become oblivious to some things that later on come back to, to haunt me, it's because I have willingly chosen to be blinded to it. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to have to go through the, the work of dealing with that in my life. And so Peter is saying here be vigilant, be looking, be cautious, constantly looking around. Years ago, uh, I worked on a security force for a college that I attended. And uh, they put us through the the chief of our security force was uh, rather high up in the local police force there in the city that we were in. And uh, so they took all of our security guards and we went through the police training uh, obstacle courses and different things that they did and the shooting ranges and all that kind of stuff. But one of the neat things that we did is we went, uh, they had a six story uh, parking garage and they gave us paintball guns. Why in the world they would entrust a bunch of college-age kids with paintball guns in a parking garage with a bunch of cars around, I'll never know. But they did, and usually late in the night, about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, they would give us these training scenarios where we would have to go up in the parking garage, and there would be a couple of us that would be assigned to be the bad guys, and uh, then the others had to flush us out and try to get us without getting shot uh, with the paintball gun. And I will tell you this. It was just paintball. We knew we were not going to die from a paintball. And yet it was amazing at how quick the adrenaline began to run. You're there in a very real situation. It's very dark outside. You're going up stairwells. You're worried, is the guy up there or is he behind me? Is he coming around? And you're constantly, your head is on a swivel and you're looking. You're constantly listening. And every sense that you have is tuned in, trying to find out where are these people at? And I think that's what Peter's trying to get at here in the Christian life. With this word vigilant. We ought to constantly be aware of the fact that the devil is out there, folks. He's very real. He's not some make-believe. And his goal and his purpose is to destroy my life and to destroy your life. He knows he cannot have our soul. And so it's sad to see. And I look around and I I don't know about y'all there are some times I look at the news and I look at some things that are happening in what we call quote-unquote Christian circles today. And I just shake my head and I think, what are we thinking? What are we thinking? Because the devil is real and he's out there and he's targeted Christians. He knows he can't have your soul, so he's going to do everything he can to destroy your life. And so he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, can I tell you this, Satan is is not omnipresent. I'm thankful for that. Amen? But he is going around in the world. Hold your place here for just a minute. Look with me in Job chapter 1. And I want us to look at a couple things here very quickly and then we'll be done. Job chapter number 1. Verse number 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright. Now, it doesn't mean he was without sin. It just means he was a mature man. He was a man who sought after God. And the Bible even refers to him here in verse number 1. And one that feared God and eschewed evil. By the way, we would do well to get that, that phrase down again in our lives. Eschewed evil. Hate it. Detest it. Uh, we've gotten to a point where I think even Christian people are comfortable with sin. We, we tend. To, how many of you remember a day when uh, the fact that there was somebody who kept their business open on a Sunday was just, you just didn't do that? Any of you remember a day like that? Something happened, didn't it? Uh, now we go out to eat and don't think anything about it. Or go to the grocery store and don't think anything about it. Um, how about a day when uh, when men would watch their language in front of a lady. Remember a day like that? How about a day when men were chivalrous and opened the door for a lady? Uh, A lot of this stuff is going... You say, Brother Greg, are all those sins? No, they're not all sins. But I'm just showing, showing you how that society has digressed and the sad fact of the matter is a lot of Christians have gone right along with it and, and it's like the, uh, the, uh, uh, putting the, the frog in the boiling pot of water. You're going to uh, fry up a, a frog here and you put him in the water and it's cool water and you slowly turn the heat up and he won't realize you've been turning the heat up until it's too late. And that's the way I think a lot of Christians are if we're not careful. We've lost this thing of hating and detesting and what the Bible uses here, the word is skewed evil. When was the last time we were hating sin? When was the last time that when we committed a sin, it just ate us up inside? We couldn't believe that we had done something like that. And it bothered us until we got it right with God. I hope that happens on a regular basis. Because the truth is, we all fail Him every day, don't we? There's something that we do to sin on a daily basis. And if we're not careful, we get callous to it. And we'll miss it. You say, why is that important? Because the devil's out there trying to destroy our life. And he'd love nothing better than for a Christian to become comfortable with sin. He'd love nothing better than for us to say, well, it's no big deal. You know, we just live in that kind of society nowadays that accepts homosexuality. It's not a big deal. We just live in that kind of society today that commits millions of of abortions. It's no big deal. Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And we need to get back to eschewing evil. Amen? And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses and a very great household. So that his, this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. Well, what a testimony to a man who feared God and eschewed evil. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called to their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so. And when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. This is how concerned he was with The possibility of sin. He wanted to get it right. He wanted to keep short accounts with God. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. I want you to see this. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. That kind of sounds like what we read over in First Peter, doesn't it? He's walking around, seeking whom he may devour. Do you realize that Satan has nothing, but he doesn't have a full-time job. He, he doesn't have to go to work and then try to wreck men's lives in his spare time. This is not his hobby. This is what he spends all day, every day doing. Walking to and fro in the earth. With no other means, or no other purpose than to wreck and to destroy men's lives. Could you imagine such a miserable creature? And he walks up and down in the earth and to and fro, the Bible says here. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? But wouldn't it be wonderful if God could say that of us? Boy, I think that'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be amazing? If God could say hast thou con- to Satan, hast thou considered my servant? And put your name there. The fact that God considered him his servant is amazing. The fact that he could trust him to brag to Satan with him is even more amazing. Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made an hedge about him? And a Christian ought to take joy in this verse. Amen? Because if we're saved, the Lord puts a hedge about us. And he protects us. And there's not one thing that the devil can do to us that God does not allow to happen. Now, there are times he allows it to happen for his own purposes. Sometimes it's for a correction. Maybe he needs to get our attention about something. Sometimes it's just to show Satan that there's a man or a woman that's going to stay faithful to him. And that was this case. And so he asked Satan if he had considered his servant Job, and Satan said, is it not for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side, that has blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the lamb, But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face and the lord said unto satan behold all that he hath is in thy power only upon himself put not forth thine hand now i want you to notice what god allows here god basically says everything that job has his wife his kids his cattle His houses, you can touch anything you want to except him. And look what Satan's response is. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword." And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also... Talk about having a bad day. Anybody ever been there? None of us have had a day like this. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans came out, uh, made uh, out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am alone, escaped alone to tell you. So far we only have a couple of servants, two or three servants here that have survived. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men. And they are dead, and I only am escaped to tell thee. Then Job arose and ran his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and cursed God. Is that what your Bible says? No. But you know, that's what a lot of people do, don't they? That's what a lot of them do. What did Job do? He worshipped. Boy, God knew what he was doing when he pointed out this young man to Satan, didn't he? Does Satan know who you are today? This 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 devil, this roaring lion in 1 Peter chapter number 5. God told Satan, he said, you can touch everything that Job has but don't touch Job. And you know what the devil did? This is how ruthless he is. He touched everything that Job had. Why? Because his desire was to destroy, to devour, to annihilate Job. And Job's response was to what? Worship God. You think Job was sober and vigilant? You think Job was one who knew the fact that Satan was out there and trying to destroy? Oh, he knew. And Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, and there may come a time in your life. And some of you may have already been through it. I've heard some testimonies of folks that have gone through things that I would not have wished on my worst enemy. And they've gone through the valley. And that Satan, that old adversary, has tried to destroy your life. And tried to get you to curse God. And tried to get you to turn from God and say, I'm not going to, if I do all this and this is how God repays me, I'm not going to serve Him with my life. That's what the devil's trying to do. And he's out to destroy you, to devour you. And if he can, he will take everything you hold dear. Everything. What are we going to do when that happens? If God came tonight and took every worldly possession you had, and I'm talking for real, if he took your car, if, if he allowed Satan to take your home, you were homeless. If he took all your children, Took all your wealth and all your material things. You were penniless and on the street. And on top of that, He caused your wife to turn on you. How would you respond to that? I'd like to think, if I went through something like that, that I would be faithful. I'd like to think that I would say, uh I would worship God, but the truth is, none of us knows till we get there, do we? Until we're in that valley. Perhaps that's why Peter said you need to be sober and vigilant. there's going to come times where there are going to be things that are going to take you so low you're not going to know which way is up. You better be sober, you better be vigilant. Because if not, Satan is going to succeed in his great quest for your life. Oh, he can't have your soul, but he can sure destroy your life, can't he? Be sober, be vigilant. Why, Brother Greg? Because we've seen a beautiful picture in Scripture that God chose to show us of a man who Satan took everything from, and yet he worshipped God. Be sober, I say, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. When that time comes in your life, what are you going to do? I think it'd be wise in a Christian's life as we look in Scripture and we see examples given to purpose in our hearts before time. Let's not wait till the valley comes. Let's not wait till Satan has us in some of the darkest times of our life to sit down and decide what we're going to do. I like what was said of Daniel when he was given the opportunity away from mom and dad, away from his religious leaders. Daniel could have done anything he wanted to in Babylon and nobody back home would have known anything about it. Daniel could have got by without anybody knowing about it. But he knew something that many of those young men that went with him didn't know. There is one that knew. Is there not? And therefore, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. I want to leave a challenge with you this evening because there will come times in your life There will come valleys. There will come things in this church from time to time that will bring us low. How are we going to respond to it? We can curse God. We can turn from Him. We can say, I don't want to have any part of it. I've been faithful and it seems to me that God has not been. And that's what Satan will put in your brain. Or you can do like Job. It's okay to sorrow in it. He put on sackcloth and ashes, but he worshipped God. What a commentary. When that old devil comes as that roaring lion and he tries to devour us, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Let's stand together. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the wonderful examples given in it. Lord, it's encouraging to us because without the story of Job and others like it in Scripture, we would read 1 Peter and our hearts would sink. We would think, how am I going to make it through? If the devil's out there trying to destroy my life and to devour me and do everything he can to destroy me, how will I ever make it through? But Lord, You have given us glorious examples of those that have been faithful, And have continued to love you and to worship you, even in the face of death itself. Lord, may you strengthen our hearts and our souls. May you prepare us for the time that Satan will come against us. That we would be able to remain faithful. That we would be known as a servant of you that fears you and skews evil. That we would be one that would worship in the valley bless the message tonight lord speak to hearts as you would see fit lord without musicians here it's difficult to give an invitation like we typically would but perhaps tonight as we leave this place you would allow us the opportunity to find a quiet place between now and the time that we go to sleep and to pray and to seek for your strength your wisdom that You would allow us to have the power of Your Holy Spirit resting upon us so that when these times come, we are fortified, we are watchful, we are vigilant, we're sober-minded about these things. We know they're coming, and that yet we can brace ourselves for them. We can go ahead and purpose in our hearts and in our minds that, Lord, I will not forsake You. You have been faithful to me, and Lord, even in the valley, I will try my best and with your strength to be faithful to you. May we purpose it in our hearts now. I pray that you'll dismiss us with your blessings. Thank you for the time spent together singing your songs and hearing your word taught and preached to us. We pray that you'll bless as we're dismissed. Give us safety as we travel. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed.